0: This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast.
1: Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I thank you for making our program part of your day. I really do appreciate it. And I will do my best to make this hour a valuable use of your time. And, you know, our objective here on Talk radio, podcast, and website is always to help make you an above-average investor. That's our goal. You know, we just want to be better. However way we can do that. And, of course, we do that with timely financial investing information. And we deliver it without bias or slanted sales incentives. I don't like those, and I know you don't. And I try to give it to you straight. You know, it's hard work. That's all. Plain hard work to make money grow. You have to understand things. You have to understand how the economy works. You have to understand how stocks move. Why they move differently. Why do different stocks move differently than other stocks? There's a lot of things to learn. But it is fun. It's fun to learn. And, well, it is for me anyways. And, uh, you know, I don't mind sharing all the information I've Built up over the years, so that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to share it. Well, we are here at September eighteenth, everybody. You know that's a halfway mark for the month, a little over halfway mark, a mark. And I can't how fast days go by. Um, you know that experts, more and more experts, are forecasting the coming market changes. Okay, as we all know, the market is cyclical. I've told you that before. It goes in cycles. So in that sense, there will certainly be market changes. And the bull market will end at some point. But when? No one knows when. I mean, anybody that tells you it differently is just blowing smoke at you. I have this whole chart here going back to about 2013 with all these experts predicting dire consequences. 2013, 2014, 2015, 80% crash, 50% crash. No one knows when. Right now, the things look pretty good. Economy's strong. Yeah, there's good things out there. There's also, you know, danger signs. We see it. I talk about them. So I'm going to give you my thoughts, as I always do. Will the bears return? Yes, they will. We just got to wait and watch. With that said, I have a timely tease question for you. Can we predict our near future by looking back at the terrifying stock market of 1929, that crash, can we look at that crash and is there any similar patterns being set up? So I'm going to talk about what happened just before the 1929 crash. What did the Fed do back then? What was it doing? We're going to talk about that. But first, let's find out what questions our listeners have on their mind. Here's a call that came in earlier on our Anytime Listener Line, 888-99-CHART.
2: Hi, Stephen, Justin. My name's
1: Kevin
3: from Daily City. I'm wondering what you guys think about FZROX, that's Fidelity Zero Total Market Index Fund. I see that they have no transaction fee, so I want to know what your thoughts are on this ETF. Thank you.
1: Yeah, that's new, uh, fairly new anyways. Uh, 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 Fidelity is not going to charge any, Uh, I think this is the one, they have no... No uh, management fee. I think it's this one. I'd have to look that up. But uh, they, they announced that they're having no management fee index funds. And uh, made, you know, Vanguard used to be the cheapest and still very low cost. But Fidelity is, of course, trying to compete. I noticed, I noticed the fees on mutual funds are going down. And I think it's because of ETFs, exchange-traded funds. Because their fees are less and more and more money is pouring into those, pulling out of mutual funds. But any index fund that follows a total market index or the S&P 500 or any index fund, if you're a long-term holder and you can live through the the various market pull-downs, the market crashes, and you got enough time, you should stick with the index funds. They're good long-term investments. There's nothing wrong with them. And... The better the lower the feed the better. So no, I don't have a problem with that at all. Pretty good call. Thank you. Appreciate it. Eight 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 ninety-nine chart is our number. So can we predict our near future by looking back at the crash of nineteen twenty nine? And that was a very scary crash. Maybe yes, maybe no. But historical record reveals some interesting facts. I love to look at history and find out what cause certain things to happen? And do are we in the same kind of an economic and stock market environment? So let's look at it. Let's look at it a little bit. First, let me set the table here. The great crash of 1929 is mostly associated with plummeting stock prices on two consecutive trade days. Black Monday, Black Tuesday. And that was October 28th and October 29th 1929. Remember I've said on the radio that September October are known for the worst days in single days? Well, in those two days, the Dow fell 13% one day and 12% the next. 25%. But this is only the most dramatic episode in a longer-term bear market. After peaking at $381 a share on September 3rd, 1929, the one month before, a little little bit more than one month before the crash of those two days, the, stock, the Dow peaked at 381 points. Peaked, September 3rd. The Dow eventually would hit bottom July 8th, 1932. From 1929 to 1932 at 41. How much of a loss was that? 89%. It would take until November 23rd, 1954, 1954, over 25 years, for the Dow to regain its pre-crash high. The Great Crash is generally considered to be one of the most contributing to the onset of the Great Depression, right? The crash caused the Great Depression. Now, if you look at pages of history, though, there was concern about speculation in the stock market by the Federal Reserve Federal Reserve, and they responded aggressively with tight money policy starting in 1928. Remember, a whole, full year, not before the crash of 29, 1929. So that helped spark the crash. They tightened money. What are they doing now? They're raising interest rates. Same thing. They're tightening money. Moreover, in 1929, the Federal preserved, in 1929, the Federal res, pursued a policy of denying credit Two banks that extended loans to stock market speculators. Guess what that did? More tight, tight, tight money. And Remember, in those days, you can borrow money and buy stocks. You didn't have margin requirements. Margin requirements means you can't borrow too much money to buy stocks. So the Fed succeeded in putting a halt to the rapid increase in share prices. But in doing that, I think they caused or was a major factor in the Great Depression because of the stock market crash. Now, a Federal Reserve paper has concluded that detecting and deflating financial bubbles is difficult and as that using monetary policy to restrain investors' exuberance may have broad, unintended and undesirable consequences. So have they learned their lesson? They say they have. They know that Using monetary policy causes problems they can't foresee. So, have they learned their lesson? Hmm. Now, if you listen to Invest Talk on a regular basis, you've heard me mention that I often have misgivings about hearing what the Fed might be due to, might be doing. They might be too quick on the draw, might be raising rates too fast, even though they're raising them pretty slow. I still think they're paired too fast. Maybe they—I think they should pause for a while. That's my opinion. So this is a pretty important history lesson. It's part one, by the way. Part one. I'm going to talk more about this in day or two. So I will conclude tomorrow, I promise. Uh, so that's interesting. Don't you think that I find it interesting? What happened? What happened back then? Are we going to have a crash in 2018, 2019, 2020 because of the Fed? I don't know. I can't predict it. But we certainly can make some comparisons. Now, gut wrenching market swings come and go, but the successful investor, over time, will get ahead. Problem is, is sometimes that time is a long time. Excuse me, <coughs> I'm fighting the cold. I'm sorry, everybody. And that may be, you know, if you listen to Best Talk, I'm going to try to give his heads up as best I can about everything, anything to do with financial market, making money. It, it over time, the stock market is the best place to be. It has you know, those different strategies, different ways to do it. Some are more powerful than others, but you can do it. Now, Justin and I can help you at KPP Financial. We have over 30 years of investing and in management experience. So, your path to a smarter, more comfortable financial future begins with a phone call to us, our data Point Office, or an email message to me. Either way, love to talk to you. Now, this is Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and I invite you to take our free risk questionnaire at InvestTalk.com. Just and I can use the results to assess your investor tolerance, how much tolerance you have for risk. So, you might want to avoid risk. You might want to accept more risk, but so we can, this risk questionnaire helps us determine how much risk you're comfortable with. And, you know. We can help you apply a strategy that works best for your, you and your portfolio, considering the risk, not risk questioning. Now, our Tuesday show is off to a good start. We are taking your questions, so give me a call 888 99Chart.
2: Thanks for listening to Invest Talk. And with each passing day, your portfolio is either performing at its best or perhaps not doing as well as it should. Here's a constructive suggestion. Head over to investtalk.com, read about the many strategic investing programs offered to clients of KPP Financial, and be sure to take the free Risk Alize Risk Questionnaire. Steve's here, the phone lines are open, and he's taking your questions. 888 99 Chart. Guys,
3: this is. Mike from Indiana. I really love the show. I've got so much useful information out of it. Thank you so much. My question for you is, with the volatility that's scheduled for the rest of this year, or at least for the next couple months, I'm trying to get some cash in my portfolio. And I'm wondering, what percent of cash would you recommend to have on hand so that you can take advantage of any of the buy opportunities that may present themselves? Really appreciate it. And uh, look forward to your answer on the podcast.
1: Okay, part of the answer is how much risk do you want to take? But I would say you should have no less than ten percent of your portfolio in cash, and no more than twenty-five percent in cash. You know, no one can predict what will happen. I can't tell you. I can just I can go back in history, and I, I'm very familiar with historical norms. And I can tell you that this is the time of year, September or October, is when the market's volatile. And here it is, what, September 18th, that we've seen a lot more volatile this month than last month, or the last three months. So volatility has picked up. It uh, doesn't necessarily always down volatility, but I'm expecting to have some down volatility uh, this month and next month. But that down volatility, that bottom, whenever that is, that's going to be one to buy. So you have to have cash available To be able to buy. When the exact bottom's in, I don't know. But I have a feeling by November 1st, you're going to want to, November 1st, November 2nd, 3rd, 4th, you want to get back, you want to be in. You want to be in the market. Because we're coming to the best time of the year. So you don't want to avoid the market completely. Because what if I'm wrong? What if we don't get a normal, you know, good volatility, a good downstroke in the market? What if we don't get it? We may not. I mean... If all of a sudden we get a Canadian uh, tariff agreement, then China's wants to talk about resolving the tariff issues, the market's going to rally. You know, but if we don't, uh, I can see the market just stumbling. This is Invest Talk. I'm C. Peasley. and heading into this break, I want to remind you that Invest Talk is heard live each weekday, 4 to five Pacific time, on radio, and also live on internet streaming through our InvestTalk.com. Web page. So please tell your friends and family members to tune in. And now the lines are open, 888-99-CHART.
2: The KPP Premium Newsletter packs a lot of market news, process explanations, and even stock ideas into a concise summary every Friday. You can subscribe at investtalk.com. $9 per month. If you subscribe now, you'll beat the coming October price increase. You are listening to Invest Talk. Have you got a question for Steve? He's here, and the lines are open. 888-99-CHART.
1: Now, a caller earlier talked about fees and low fees, no fee, mutual funds, uh, and that's going to be one of our main talking points today. Fees are... can slowly eat into your portfolio. Over time, they can get pretty painful. And mutual fund fees generally are around 1% or a little bit less. But don't be afraid of higher fees for specialty type funds. For instance, if you're going to invest in a, in a mutual fund that does trades currencies, that's going to be higher. If you're investing in a mutual fund that does foreign stocks, that's going to be higher. Or just a certain sector commodities or tech. Those are usually going to be higher fees. General mutual funds, no. The fees should be you know fairly low. And what you need to do is start comparing those fees. It's easy to do. Go to Morningstar.com, type in all the funds you have available in your 401k, and figure out what the fees are. Write them down for each fund. Okay, so index funds should be very, very low. Well, what's very, very low? Well, the Schwab Total Stock Market Index Fund is 0.03%. Remember, 1% or less. And this is 0.03. Less than three-tenths of one... Three-tenths. I mean, it's really low. So, Vanguard Total Stock Market Fund, 0.14. Okay, 0.14. So, That those things are really, really low, okay? So index funds should be low, because they're not really looking, trying to do research, finding good stocks, finding stocks in whatever area of the market that they're trying to invest in. Yeah. So there's not work. There's not a lot of work associated with an index fund, really. You're just buying. Indexes funds when you have new money coming in, when you have money going out, you're selling the fund to return the money to the client. That's it. That's all you're doing. So there's not it's not a lot of research. There's no research, really. Okay, so take a look at your fees on your funds. And always go with the low cost. And that's why if you're if it's not in a four hundred one K, you're just an individual account. I, I like that's one of the reasons why I like ETFs is they're usually low cost. Point 0.4, uh, point 0.4, uh, or four tenths of one percent. You know it's common in ETFs. So keep an eye on the costs. You always want to keep an eye on your costs. There's nothing wrong with that. When you hire a money manager like me, costs are going to be higher. They will be. The question is, are they worth it? That should be your question. Now let's get to another caller who took time to leave their question on our anytime listener line number. 888-99-CHART. Hey
3: guys, this is Leo on the East Coast, Atlanta, Georgia. I've been looking at a stock. The symbol is LYB, Lion Yellow Blue. I was looking at it for a long-term buy, maybe indefinite hold. Want to know what you thought, if it was a good entry point? Or if you don't like it, what's wrong with it? If you think the dividend will hold up or grow? I'll be
4: listening on podcast. Thanks for all you do.
1: Okay, this is Lionel Basil Industries. It's out of the Netherlands. So, Netherlands-based manufacturer of polypropylene compounds. Uh, you know, it's all developed, all, all derived from oil-based oil. You know, uh, they're, they're different polyurethane kind of compound things. Uh, and it's big. It's a $39 billion company. They're growing very fast. 21% sales growth last quarter. Been 18, 15, 18% growth in the quarter after quarter after quarter for almost two years. They're going to make $11.44 next year. May after make $11.72 this year. So they're up 15% sales uh, earnings this year. Then down 2% next year. Why? I don't know. And something you might want to look into. Very good dividend, 3.9%. And at $11.44 and $102 stock, well, that's eight or nine PE. And eight or nine PE, the range is seven to 14. So that's a good value, but it's had every time it's hit $116, $17 three times this year, and every time it's hit that, it's fallen off, and it's done it again. It's now at $102 a share after hitting $115.50 or so in August. What you want to do, it might be in a range. It looks like it might go to 100, maybe 98 to 100, right in that range. Wait for it to bounce. You can buy it then because it's a good, solid company. Remember, it will be cyclical. It will be tied to the economic cycle here in the United States and, of course, Europe. That's where they are. But they're a worldwide company. So we are probably would affect them more than anyplace else. So it makes a bunch of plastics. That's what it does. The market was up today, 184 184 points on the Dow, 60 points on the Nasdaq, 16 points on the S&P, 60 on the Nasdaq, and 16 on the S&P. So it had a little rebound from yesterday's weakness. Didn't quite rebound all the way, but almost, two-thirds. Tomorrow on with the right strategy, the stress of funding retiree medical costs, he won't send you to the doctor. How to plan for higher health care costs in retirement. That story is tomorrow. I'm Steve Peasley. I'm ready to take your questions now. 888-99-CHART.
0: Our podcast continues next. The process of investing is more than just picking stocks. Investing begins with savings, of course. And along the way, there are issues about taxes and then estate planning and on and on. KPP financial clients have a ready resource of information about any and all of these personal financial matters. All they need to do is ask. Managing your money gets more complex every day, and there are more options than the average person could possibly comprehend. And when we're confronted with too many choices, research shows that people put off decisions, important decisions. Most times, that's not productive. KPP Financial's philosophy is the more their clients know, the more successful they'll be, and the more predictable their future will be. KPP Financial, serving the average investor, helping them find solutions. Now let's continue with the podcast.
2: This is Invest Talk. Please make sure you subscribe to the Invest Talk podcast at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Then listen, rate, and review. Okay, you've got finance and investment questions. Call now 888 99Chart. 888
1: 992 4278. So, what else do we want to talk about today? How about uh, the $200 billion in tariffs that Trump is going to oppose or is opposing on China, Chinese goods? We'll talk about that. Or wealthy Americans may be war, warning of the stock market collapse to come by what their actions are, what they're doing. Kind of interesting. And also, uh, that $200 billion in, in Chinese tariffs, what will the Fed do? Remember, we're, we always are, we're always interested in what the Federal Reserve is doing with interest rates, right? And we know they're probably going to raise them here very shortly. And they may raise them again before the end of the year. And But will the tariffs give pause to the Federal Reserve? Remember, we just went over the lesson number one on the Great Recession. And the Federal Reserve was raising rates, tightening money. And they doubled down on tightening that money just before the crash of 1929 because they were trying to get rid of some of the speculation in the stock market. And the Fed, from a paper, said that they won't, that's a dangerous thing to do. That's their conclusion. So are they going to continue tightening? Remember, won't these tariffs, all by themselves, wouldn't that cause a tightening in the financial markets? Think about it. Why would that happen? Because what will it do? It will probably, you know, cause a little ripple in unemployment claims to go up. Why? Because, you know, the, we're not getting the Chinese the products imported. So that might affect retail sales. It also might affect capital goods orders. Because remember, we, we, you want to pay... 10 to 25 percent more from anything from China, or maybe put off your ordering from China. Well, that will cause disruptions. And I'm not saying a, a major fault line here with the, you know, these tariffs. I don't, I don't see that, but I do see, you know, an issue where the Federal Reserve might say, hmm, maybe we need to change a little bit, tweak our tightening policy. And when I say that, I mean stop tightening so much. Will they? That's the question. Now, you heard me say I think they should, but not because of this. I think they should because, you know, they've been on a long-term tightening spree, and I know eventually that's going to affect things, and it takes long months, months for the effect to filter through the market. And we're starting to see it filter through the, the uh, housing market, haven't we? Last three months, have you not seen the housing market slowing? You have. Sales have slowed. Now, part of it may be due to inventory, but not new home sales. They slow too. So, you know, there's issues here that the Fed may... It, this is interesting. We're also going to have the election behind us here. That's coming up in what? In November? Early November? That'd be a good thing for the market because the market doesn't like that uncertainty. But what if there's a change in leadership in Congress? The market won't like that change. It doesn't like change. Not who's, If it was going from Republican to Democrat or Democrat to Republican, the leadership, the market won't like either way. doesn't like uncertainty. Our Anytime Listener Line, 888-99-CHART, is the investor's friend. Get your questions in. We'll get to the answers. I promise. Here's a question that came in earlier. A listener from New York wants to talk about housing. Hey, guys.
3: It's Stan from New York. Just had a question about housing. I'm currently 25 years old, and I live in upstate New York, so like the Hudson Valley area. And I'm looking at moving out of my current apartment. Just wanted to get your opinion on if you think it'd be a better time to buy or it'd be a better time to rent. Now I know uh, the market is a little rough when it comes to housing, depending on the area, so it may not be something you can specifically help me with, but I know in general the housing market right now is not a good time to buy. I just want to know what you guys think, even if it was a short-term play that I buy a property, live in it for a few years and try to build some equity into it like a fixer-upper and try to flip it or do you think i'd end up underwater in a few years or so just at a pivotal point in my life where i need to decide if i'm going to buy my first property or if i'm going to continue renting so i'd love to hear what you have to say about this and any guidance would be appreciated thank you
1: okay uh in the short term i think it's wise to wait um We've seen cracks in the housing market, existing home sales and new home sales, as I just mentioned. And we've the Fed is raising rates, right? Fed's raising rates. Uh, therefore, mortgage rates will probably continue to creep up. And mortgage rates, what, 4.6% for a 30-year fixed? I think that's what it was last week, anyways. Uh, and that's higher than it was, what, it got down to 3.25? 3, that was a low year or two ago. So, yeah, there's that additional cost, which is hurting. But prices also have risen here in the last year. And, of course, it depends on where you are in the United States. You're probably in a higher-cost higher, higher cost area, uh, the Hudson Valley. I've been up that way. It's nice. Uh, I'm going to suggest you want to wait. The best time to buy a house is in a recession. When are we going to have a recession? I wish I could tell you the exact date. I could tell you that it's likely within the next couple of years. But, well, within the next five years, I'm pretty sure of that, but I can't guarantee that either. But in a recession, what happens is prices of homes go down and mortgage rates go down. So if you're not in a big rush, I'd probably wait. That would be my instinct, just to wait. And I would also not buy a house necessary to flip. You want to, buying homes, if you really want to maximize it, you buy it and hold it for years, a decade or more. That's my philosophy. Trying to flip a house is very difficult. I know you see TV shows, how to flip a house, and I see, you know, they're going to give you all kinds of propaganda, how to flip a house and make fortune. Well, it's a lot harder than they say. Don't believe that stuff. It's not that easy. But thank you for the questions. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. New listeners to Invest Talk may not realize that we at KPP Financial have been producing this program for more than 20 years. 20. I can't believe how fast that time has gone by. And Justin and I are glad to continue making this investment of time and effort because it makes us reliable, a go-to source for you, the investor. We also know that some of you will recognize that our training and expertise and experience can be brought to your table to help you maximize the earning strategy of your portfolio. So it's a win-win for all. So listen for free, submit your questions anytime you want, register for no-cost portfolio views if you want, and now we are taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART.
2: This is Talk, made possible by KPP Financial where each Friday, subscribers to the KPP Premium Newsletter receive a concise and highly informative summary of the week's financial and investment news. It's sent directly to their inbox. It really does give you a week that was roundup in a quick read. It also offers a look ahead and various process and term explanations that will be interesting to every investor. So you should be thinking about subscribing, The cost now through September is only $9 per month. And if you act now, you'll stay ahead of the coming October price increase. Remember, you'll get targeted value formatted for fast consumption when you become a KPP Premium Newsletter subscriber at InvestTalk.com. The InvestTalk radio and podcast continues now. The phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART.
1: Talk to Jim in Indiana, who listens to us live streaming. How you doing, Jim?
3: I'm great. How about yourself, Steve?
1: I'm well. Let me put it this way: I have a cold, but it's not too bad.
3: (laughs) I think I've got one coming on, so I I feel you. Yeah. Um, Was calling. Well, I flew. You know, I I
1: reason, Jim, Jim. The reason why I have a cold is because I was in your part of the country over the weekend. That's why. Those, yeah, there's it, too many people on the plane. You know, it's not been bad. Plane.
3: It's not been bad around here <laughs> lately, though. I, I, it was a pretty nice weekend.
1: Oh yeah, it was really nice. It really was. I enjoyed it. Remember, I went. I went to my nephew's football game in in in, in, in uh, was it was in Minnesota. So it's just in your area of the world. That's all.
3: Yeah, nice I heard weather, he though. scored a touchdown.
1: He did, and I, we're pretty proud. But you know. He's a rookie. We'll see how he does.
3: (laughs) Well, the reason I was calling today was to talk to you about um, trying to figure out when I'm looking at mutual funds um, Uh and looking at the load versus the um, transaction fee. What is what is the difference between a load and like the transaction fee, and and then the Expense ratios, and when I'm looking at expense ratios, should I be looking at net or gross? Um, Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to put all that information together.
1: Okay. Mutual funds are sold uh, to you, the individuals, and some mutual funds are sold through brokerage firms or through people like me, and they're sold with loads, a load, L-O-A-D, everybody, that is an upfront commission. That's what a load is, and it's usually about five percent. So if you put a hundred thousand in, I would get five thousand dollars. Jim, never buy a loaded fund. Never buy a fund with loads. You can buy all. There's just as many no-load funds as there are loaded funds. So don't buy a loaded fund. Okay. okay. No, that's number two. The, ne- the next one is a transaction fee. Usually, mutual funds do not have a transaction fee. ETFs do, exchange-traded funds that trade on the stock exchange minute by minute, just like a stock. But mutual funds usually don't have a transaction fee charged to you. Uh, it's pretty rare. So you don't probably have to worry about that. The expense ratio, those are the- now we've talked about three different types of fees or costs in a mutual fund. And I'm glad you're looking at these because these are important. They eat into your return. The expense ratio is what the the fund charges you on an annual basis to manage the fund. And as I said earlier in the show, you want to keep it under 1% if you can. And you won't be able to do that if it's a specialty fund like a currency fund or a foreign fund or something special. They usually charge between 1% and 2.5% per year. But if you're buying an index fund, a fund that's just tracking the index, that should be a fraction of 1%, you know, one-tenth, okay. two-tenths of percent, okay? All right. So it all depends on what you're buying, Jim, but try to keep it under 1%. That's just a good thing. Don't buy loaded funds and keep that expense ratio un- under 1% or around 1%, Okay. Okay. If you're buying a fund that and, has done really, really well in the last five, ten years, maybe you can pay, pay a little bit more than one percent. But generally, the answer would be no. Okay. Does that okay. help? And and yes, it does.
3: And but should it, when I look at that, should I be looking at net expense ratio or gross expense ratio?
1: Net to you, how much is costing you? Okay. Okay. And you, you can do you can find morningstar.com has this information. I don't know if you that's where you're looking, Jim, but morningstar.com you can put the symbols of mutual funds and it gives you a, a really good look at a quick look at the fund itself and the expense ratio is in there. Right, the first Okay. Page. All right. Thank you very much, Steve. Thanks, Jim. Have a uh, have a good weekend. Well, let's see. What are we Tuesday? Jeez, weekend's a long time away. Have a good day, Jim. Thank you for the call. Now, let's see if we can squeeze in another voicemail. I wants to ask about Ford Motor Company.
3: Yes, uh, my name is Jeff, and I listen to your show every day. I really enjoy it. Uh, The reason I'm calling, I'm just wondering what your take is on Ford stock. It's really taken a beating really over the last uh, five years or so. I know it missed earnings recently, but uh, it's at a really low level right now. And I'm thinking about investing in it uh, for the long haul you know, maybe 10 years or something like that. Uh, just uh, want to see what you have to say about it. Uh, appreciate your show. Thank you.
1: If you're going to buy Ford, symbol is F, everybody. This is the price that you buy it at, $9.58. $8, $9. Why? From 2011 to today, the lowest it's ever gone down is $8, $9. And highest is 18 so here it is at the very low of its range, and it's starting to move up. The last one, two, three, four, five days, it's starting to move up. So this looks like really good support in this area. Now, so auto companies are very cyclical, very much attached to the economic cycle. So you know, you know that in recessions, it's going to go down. And when it comes out of recessions, it usually goes up. But you're not buying Ford for the necessarily the capital appreciation. You're buying it for the dividend. It pays six point three percent dividend right now. Return on equity is twenty two percent. It's you know the five year range of the P is five to fourteen, based on you know dollar thirty eight next year. I mean, that's pretty. That's right there at the low of the range. So you know you have to consider it now. Just understand that. Auto companies never get high P.E. ratios, never, except for Tesla. Tesla, who makes no money. But usually auto companies, their P.E. ranges are in an 8 to 10 10 area. That's normal for them. So this was pretty low price. And if you're going to hold it for the long run, you will make money on Ford. You will. Okay. Our Tuesday Invest Talk program is almost finished and ready to upload to our online podcast collection. But we still got about 10 minutes left. So let's talk about the financial investing questions you have on your mind. 888-99Chart.
2: On the next Invest Talk. How to plan for higher health care costs in retirement. Steve will break down the story tomorrow. But now, Steve is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. Let's talk to Kevin in Poway.
1: Hello? Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hi, Steve. You
4: know, you made some reference to the elections and the effect on the market. In the event that the Democrats take the House and or the Senate or both, that Uh there's a historical, statistical reference that the markets won't do as good. Could you elaborate a little bit more on that?
1: Sure, I can sure. The markets, as you heard me say, don't like change. And that's a major change, switching from one party to the other. It's a ma- they Generally, the market doesn't like change. And what happens is, when it does change, certain sectors will benefit and certain sectors won't, depending on which party is in charge. So what happens is, before an election, and if it's going to be kind of close, the market kind of just looks around and waits. it yeah, it's not sure which way it's going to go. and you know, what what where should we what where should we delegate more money to? so if the democrats take control of the house, and people, i'm not being political. i'm just observing what happens. Mm-hmm. so if the democrats take over, usually they sponsor and want more social programs. and when the republicans take over, they like to spend more money on military. okay? So you know just from those two things where you should de- delegate or put more money into. But the change is what the overall market doesn't like. It doesn't like change. It would like to keep it the same so that we okay. all know. When I say the market, I'm talking about us investors. Because we all know what it's been doing, and we hope that that just continues because we invested our money knowing that that was what, Look how Look how the change from – Everybody thought Hillary would win, but Trump won. That was a major change, and the market overnight fell over a thousand points on the Dow. But by the next morning, when the market opened, it was already they already thought, okay, this would be good for the market because he says he's going to promise lowering taxes. So you know that was that the market considered that good, but the that, change that, that, it was kind of upsetting.
4: <laughs> correct. That that's clear to me. Um, you mentioned some sectors might benefit, some won't. For example, mm-hmm. I would tend to think the defence sector, should that occur, might be a sector that you want to avoid, even with a company like Boeing or Rayathon having really good returns. Um yep. would you lend a sector or two that might benefit, a sector or two that might not benefit?
1: Well, I, I think it would not benefit military. It would hurt it because it's already had a really nice run from all the spending that Trump has promised in the military. And if the, if the Democrats get in, they're going to try to rein that back, Okay, at least some of it. They're going to try to change that. Okay, uh, So that sector, if you haven't already take, gotten, taken advantage of it, it's too late now. Don't even think about that now. Um, uh, what, what else might work well? Uh, I think anything to do with environmental protections, like let's say, maybe solar solar panel companies. Uh, mm-hmm. If the Democrats get in, they like they like the you know clean energy. So if, anything along those lines might pick up, might do well. So you know, that's the kind of thinking you have to do, Kevin. What what might work well in the upcoming changes, if there is a change. You know, mm-hmm. if there's no change, then yeah. you know. The market yeah, will continue to yeah. it has been. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kevin. Thank you for the call. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Eight. Thank you. You too. Eight 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 ninety nine chart. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight is our number. Now you know that Trump is going to impose that two hundred billion dollars on tariffs on China, and it's going to do it in two steps: ten percent initially, uh, which will take effect on September twenty fourth. Okay, and then. Uh, Another up to 25%. Uh, when was that going to be in? Let's see, uh, by the end of the year. By the end of the year. So, you know, that it's going to have an effect on certain industries, certain sectors. And maybe it could spread to other industries and sectors and the economy to some degree. It could. So, you got to keep an eye on that, everybody. Okay? I think we're out of time. I'm Steve Peasley, and that completes another Invest Talk program, driven again by your questions. I always love your questions. I encourage you to be uh, to be here tomorrow. I'll be here on Friday. I'm sorry when I typically highlight information and uh, on our KPP Premium newsletter it goes out every Friday. It is a concise roundup of the week's news. Now is a good time to subscribe as, at InvestTalk.com. Because we're going to be raising the prices. Thanks for listening, everybody, and please come back tomorrow and have a good night.